Welcome to Before You Go. I'm Nicole Franklin. And I'm Bryant Monte, and we've been getting a lot of calls. Yes, <laughs> our last episode featured my Aunt Perline, and she pretty much brought the house down. Oh, very much so, and I love her wit. And her grit. <laughs> yes. And through Aunt Perline and her daughter Mignon, we got a chance to see Chicago from a different lens. We got the view from the south side of Chicago, oh, and it was really, really cool. So what we want to do is just bring a touch of Aunt Perline and Mignon back in some things you may not have heard of the last episode, but talks about family values. And that's what this show is about, family values and family discoveries, and mm. who is in charge of those discoveries. That's right. So... Let's tune in. <laughs> Where do you think you got your um, so your staunch stance on uh, family and what you see as, you know, being right and standing up for what is right? Where, where do you think that came from for you? The elder people in my family mm -hmm. in Marana, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Every man and mostly all the women was strong and stood up for themselves mm -hmm. because they had to work and they didn't like people running over them or hurting their feelings for no reason. So they had to step back and look you up and down and tell you where to go. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. They preached that in that be respectful to everybody and don't let them disrespect you. Just right. step back and let them know. You're not the fool that brought the coffee to town. You're the fool that didn't buy it because it wasn't drinkable. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <Yep. laughs> and then there was a time when we were growing up a little bit in Arkansas, Mariana, Arkansas, lived on Local Street, 410. It was called Association Day. Mm -hmm. On both sides of the street were homes and everybody had children. A new person come to town to live in that area. When Association Day come around. Everybody is cooking out and food is spreaded along the street because you're associating with each other and you're beginning to learn about these people, who they are and where they came from. And every year they would have association day to get acquainted with everybody on that street, on both sides of the street. So I think that's why children growing up like we did are far better than the kids are today. Because you don't have that holiday, nobody barbecues. They took a certain day and they would call it association day. You associate with people. Yeah, it's the old fashioned block party. The block raised you. Mm -hmm. right. right. And everybody's cooking and the streets are blocked off and everybody's meeting the newcomers and 
showing them how to do this and that, you know. As well, and we would always be at Mom and Papa Franklin's house for association day. <laughs> and we're Franklin Senior with something else. He didn't take no mess off of the black other stuff like he sat on his front porch with his double bear shotgun across his lap. <laughs> That's your great grandfather and his little friend. His, his friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe it. <laughs> that was passed down. <laughs> <laughs> we have the shotgun ready. Traditions don't that don't die. Yes. <laughs> double bear brick loader. That's what they used to call his shotgun. And the sheriff used to come back down the street and say, Go in the house and put your gun up, Will. Ain't nobody coming down over here to mess with you. Cause they used to have an area where it was full white people that like to meddle, you know. Mm -hmm. And they would come down the street and do little nasty things and throw mess on your yard and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So Papa would sit on the porch with that shotgun across his lap. And he knew this sheriff. And the sheriff's name was Gonzalo Smith. And he used to drive by there and tell my grandfather, put your gun away, Will. Now you nobody coming over here to bother you. But yep. he knew better and had the, the gun ready just in case. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Can't trust the sheriff. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> I would like to say that I was privileged to uh, be in the South for a short period of time uh, mm -hmm. in my younger years when my mother stopped working at the post office and uh, I didn't, they didn't have uh, a babysitter for me. So my great-grandmother on my grandmother's side, uh, Minnie Randolph, came and got me and took me to the South. And as I go back through history and was searching with uh, Don Lee to find out that they were born into slavery mm. and to be among them and to touch them and for them to touch me and hold me and say certain things to me Papa Franklin used to always say that I was somebody. He said, no matter what, you somebody. Mm -hmm. And they they had pride and they believed in that. Even if they did have to take middle jobs and got paid a quarter for picking cotton and all of that, they were very, very proud. And I'm honored to be on this earth and have been around and touched and loved former slaves. Oh, yes. Oh. It's miraculous. People who are enslaved are a miracle to us. A miracle. That's why we're here. Yep. You know, I just love her honesty. Yes. Always. <laughs> and that's what it takes. And we're going to talk about how that honesty plays into documenting your family history. So an exciting show. More when we return. We're back, and we're doing some very important research today. Oh, yes. And when you find that whenever you speak with family, there's always that tremendous opportunity to add facts and some colorful backstories to your own legacy or your community. 
And while we have these conversations, there's family history that comes in the form of objects and beautifully written letters, postcards, or notes. Oh, yes. And, and sometimes I wonder, what do you do with all those letters, notes, and the family Bibles and precious <laughs> items from our ancestors? These family relics and treasures, Bryant, often lead family members on a fact-finding mission. True. Speaking of which, here's another <laughs> member of my family who's in my family album. Oh, wow. My cousin, <laughs> my cousin, Ja'Carl Melton. Hi, Ja'Carl. Hello, Nicole. Hey, Ja'Carl. <laughs> Hello, Brian. <laughs> Carl is right. one of my brilliant cousins. He has a career developing urban areas. Mm -hmm. um, but on the side, and his passion is that he's really interested in stories, stories from real life. So that is history, family history. He does a deep dive into research and he knows how to do research. You know, he has a couple of grad degrees from the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor and public policy and urban planning. And Carl also, you know, is a hip hop head. You know, he was writing about hip hop. He's a DJ. He does all kinds of things. He's a marathon runner. So Needless to say, I'm very proud. Oh, good but, uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you, thank that. you Carl. Thank you for all you do. I mean, we've got family like thanking you all over Facebook because you will go and research. You'll travel to research um, some of the relics in our family. Talk to us about what inspired you to do that, when you started doing that, because this has been a, a number of years. And what are you finding? Well, uh, I think it really starts uh, on my paternal side, where, uh, at least on that side of the family, there was a story about this man named Getaway. Mm. Uh, at least the way the story was told, Getaway would have been my great, great grandfather. Mm. And uh, the tale we were told was that uh, Getaway was... Uh, essentially killed during the period of uh, race riots and in, in particularly in Helena, Arkansas. So mm -hmm. uh, Getaway would supposedly go to town and uh, have his way with the women in town and then he would take out. And so apparently during one of his uh, soirees into one of my family towns in Mississippi, he impregnated my uh, great great grandmother and my great grandfather, um, the first in the line of Willies in my family, was born. Uh, so, part of why I got into looking at family research is in part to figure out whether or not this story was true. And uh, we can talk a little bit later about what I found out about that and using DNA. Um, testing is try to get to that point, but yeah. uh, also on the uh, on the maternal side. So on the side that I share of Nicole, uh, I'll never forget. Nicole actually brought me, my sister, and her two sisters out to Los Angeles uh, in I think 1995, and that was the first time I'd ever been to California. It was quite an experience. But one of the things that really was uh, in line with the conversation today was we went to go visit our Aunt Vivian. Yes. Uh, so Aunt Vivian, it was a very regal woman uh, mm -hmm. and she was married to uh, James Over Mosley Brown, 
or as we know him in our family, Uncle Orville. Uh, for those who don't know Uncle Orville or James uh, Orville Mosley, Brown Mosley, uh, J-O-B, he wrote the Morehouse hymn. And so in our family, that is what he's known for. And so Morehouse men across the country sing the song that he wrote. J.O.B. Mosley, yes. J.O.B. Mosley. <laughs> that composer is our relative. Right. So when we went out to Los Angeles and we visited Aunt Vivian, one of the things she did was, or one of the things she said was, oh, I have some, some items of Orville's. And she had a suitcase that she had packed with all these items. And she said, she told me that she wanted my mother to have them. Orville had more or less been uh, a brother to my grandfather, James. Uh, they grew up together. Mm -hmm. uh, technically speaking, Jay, uh, Orville was my grandfather's nephew, but he was six years older, uh, but they mm -hmm. grew up like brothers. And my mother uh, was, taught piano by Orville's mother. So there was a very close relationship between all of them. And uh, Aunt Vivian wanted my mother to have this suitcase filled with Uncle Orville's relics. And so we packed up the suitcase. Uh, we brought it back home to Michigan from Los Angeles. And inside of it, there was just the Trevor treasure trove of, of documents about Uncle Orville's life uh, and his career. He had passed away I think probably four years prior to us going to Los Angeles. Um, so this was very fresh for her in terms of his death. Mm -hmm. But inside of that suitcase was probably about 50 to 60 years worth of history, family history, history about the relationship between Orville and Vivian. And at least for me, as I grew older, what really came home was the fact that Orville also attended the University of Michigan. And uh, a few years ago, I actually had the opportunity to touch base with a, uh, an archivist at the University of Michigan. And I just told him that, look, my uncle, my cousin went to this university in the 1940s. Uh, could you see if there's anything around uh, the, the student records related to him and also his his wife was attending here at some point in time in 1942. Could you just give me a little bit more information? And much to my surprise, a couple of days later, he came back and said, here, uh, I found his student registration from 1941 when he first showed up on campus here in the summer, as well as here's the one that when he came back from World War II, his registration card, and then his registration card from his final year at the University of Michigan and all those three registration cards listed where he lived. So I was actually able to go to the houses uh, where he lived um, in the town that I went to school for for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And we actually lived in houses that were about five or 10 minute walk from each other at, at various points in time. So it really mm -hmm. drove home for me uh, closest I had the family members who had been the places I had been uh, 60 to 70 years prior. Uh, so uh, that was really a, a great experience and a way to just uh, 
make a connection, um, particularly to the institution that I was attending and mm-hmm. am alumni of. And uh, it just showed me too, that if you ask around enough uh, and ask the right people, you can get a lot of information uh, when you're doing family historical work. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, to Carl, how long did it take this, this process from getting the suitcase to going to the house that was near the school? Was this, um, how long was this journey? Really it was about, well, I'd say 20 years between uh, <laughs> first get first getting in a taste of uh, dealing with, I would say, artifacts of history and documents um, that someone had touched at some point in time, personal effects of someone uh, to, uh, was it 2017 when I touched base with this archivist at the University of Michigan. Uh, so what you find is, at least what I've found when I've done research like this, I've tried to look at individuals and piece together kind of their story. And at least with Uncle Orville, uh, because at least in our family, he's probably the most, dare I say, notable person. Um, <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to belittle anybody in our family, because they're all, fan- we've got a, a number of fantastic people in it. But mm-hmm. just in terms of notoriety and closeness to, to me, and the particular institution I was working with, uh, that was something I thought I could do fairly quickly because I was I was even even able to find his master's thesis uh, because I had access to the university library and I copied it because I could because uh, <laughs> I had those because I had those privileges so. I was really just trying to utilize everything at my disposal, which at this point, at, in this case, was the fact that we, uh, Orville and I attended the same institution uh, to, to leverage that relationship to get as much out of it as I could to find out about what his life was like at the university at that point in time. When it comes to uh, your research, uh, what, what kind of, pushes you in the right direction, do you think? I'm very much a person who likes primary sources uh, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I was mentioning the the getaway person uh, who, we, who we thought was named uh, Isaac Melton. Um, he, that was the story that, again, got me kind of on this interest in family history. I was trying to figure out, okay, is the story about Isaac Getaway Melton uh, being killed in a race riot in Helena, Arkansas, is this actually true? Because uh, part of the story was that uh, he was light enough complected that he was able to commandeer weapons for the Negroes in town mm. to, to battle uh, the white folks who were raiding their, their neighborhood in Helena, Arkansas. And so at least for me, I was trying to figure out, okay, uh, let me go back and see if there is documentation about a riot actually happening in Helena around this time. Uh, there was some talk about that, but uh, what you'll find if you're looking at newspapers, particularly in that period of time, there's a lot of blue reporting. Uh, so- Explain what that is to Carl. It's, it's basically some things are 
overreported. Some things are underreported, and they typically have a very racialized lens in terms of uh, how they're looking at things. So uh, that's how that's how I would define it. And so uh, those type of resources may put some idea about uh, timeframes in place, but uh, believability that might not be uh, be the best. But what it really came to was uh, since we have access to DNA technology, um, I was able to test my grandfather, uh, my grandfather's DNA. And I'll just say that the percentage of African in him uh, would suggest that the story about the getaway being so light complected that he was able to pass as white and get these weapons to to wage war uh, at 80% black in 2017. I'm fairly certain that um, getaway wasn't that light complected. Right. So, <laughs> so, so, that, so the science the, told the story. Right. The science, the science was kind of the, the first, the first hand evidence that I had that that story might have some cracks in it. And then there were some other things al along the way in terms of, I found out that um, at some point in time, Willie Melton the first was actually named Willie Mason. Hmm. So there wasn't really a record I could find about how my family name changed from being Mason to Melton. Oh. Uh, and, uh, so it's things like that where you're trying to piece together, okay, what, what exactly is true and what might just be um, a, good, a good story. That um, so. comes up a lot, right? Which kind of, I think people lean towards the good story because they don't want people to feel bad or they don't want generations of families to have a bad um, legacy versus you know the actual records, the actual science. It's always um, a weird line you have to walk along. It, it, it very much is. I'm, I was thinking about the, the movie, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you've seen that film. Gorgeous film. It's a, it's a beautiful film. But one of the things that got me thinking about was actually that, that story about Isaac Getaway. Uh, he, this, this last Black Man in San Francisco, kind of the central theme was, the idea that one of the characters in the story had this great family story about his grandfather building this house in San Francisco and how black life in San Francisco centered around this house. Uh, the grandfather built it with his bare hands mm -hmm. and the family had lived there for years and years and years. And mm -hmm. it turned out that wasn't the case. Right. Uh, and so, but the thing was the individual who thought this story was true have built a lot of his identity around it. And he told other people about it. And those other people were even saying to the point that, man, I wish I had your story mm -hmm. because it's so cool. And it just, I, I would feel very prideful if that was my story. That's what they were telling uh, the main character. But the fact of the matter, it wasn't true. But at the same time, it gave the storyteller a sense of pride and he lived his life to some degree trying to uphold that. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with 
that type of story and understand how it comes to be because quite frankly a lot of stories uh, the black community in particular are are painful what kind of road would people um, expect to travel when they're researching family history they know to go to the library but what exactly do they do at the library i think definitely the case if you know there is family land of some sort looking at those records and uh, trying to figure out how land sales occurred. Uh, that's, that's always important. Another thing that I've found um, is that a number of records now are, are, on, are online. Um, uh, archives.gov, mm -hmm. the federal government website. Archives.gov, because we, we can't trust a lot of stuff online, but archives.gov is a good place to start. Yes, that's a good place to start and particularly if you have relatives that have unique names um, that can go a long way and uh, that's a good site particularly if that is your case to find mm -hmm. to find relatives that might have shown up in newspapers uh, and I am not endorsed by this company at all but ancestry.com I found to be uh, a, a great resource in terms of finding linkages between people that I, I might not have known. Um, and mm. just also connecting you with individuals who might be looking for the same person uh, because uh, granted, family sketches in, in, the, in the back of the Bible, I think it's past staff or family <laughs> members, family right. are, are, are great, but again, we go to some storytelling and sometimes the stories aren't entirely clear. People get left out. Uh, there's some gaps for, for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. Some of that can be alleviated or you can find out more by going on to these sites that um, offer some degree of community uh, where people are looking for family members and to some degree they're open to talking to people about their search for folks. Uh, Ancestry.com seems kind of like a crowdsource platform for lack of a better <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Just, right it, right. it, it can't be. I've definitely found some people who've been on who are on that website who have been looking at people in my family uh, who I've been trying to find more information about. And we've had some, I've had some good exchanges with people uh, on that site via message, via the messengers that are set up there. So uh, it, granted, again, these are some people who might not have all the story uh, and you have to go verify yeah. things yourself. And the website does a pretty good job about having things like the census records, mm -hmm. uh, which are incredibly valuable in terms of finding linkages and discovering where people were born. Um, so those are kind of the, the top level things or tools that you can use to try to, to find people. But then once you get that top level information, you always have to dig a little bit further. And that's where you can get to the more specific uh, sources that might give you even more information. Yeah, because I did some research about my family, did a documentary called A Legacy in the Valley. And uh, this goes back to my grandmother, um, Helen Mason. She started the Black Theater Troupe in Phoenix, Arizona. So, yeah. And then we traced it back to where the first African-American woman 
to settle in Phoenix, Arizona, was a woman by the name of Mary Green. And they, she was on a, uh, a wagon trail that came out of El Dorado, Arkansas. <clears throat> so it was funny. I think it was uh, one of the sites, Ancestry.com, where I, where I saw um, the leader of that particular group uh, when they left Arkansas. His name was Columbus Gray. And he posted, a, or you know, he wrote a touching letter back home about his young brother who was killed right in front of him in the mm-hmm. Civil War. And he had this touching letter saying he saw his, you know, wrote back to his parents and said he, he had his last breath right in front of him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, where is this? And, and it had Prairie Grove, Arkansas. So took a trip to Prairie Grove, Arkansas, and the guy who ran that particular park because uh, you can go in there and kind of walk through the trail of where they had, it was a one-day battle of the Civil War. And he told the story, he said, a lot of these guys didn't have shoes. They didn't want to really want to fight, but they thought it was exciting. They called it chasing the elephant, <laughs> you know, yeah. because they just wanted to combat. So it ended up that I found the originators of this letter or who submitted it, because that's where the plaque of this letter was, in a folder. And the family, uh, I was able to get in touch with them. And it's amazing how one step leads to another step. And it was an older couple, and I and I called them. I actually used my journalism skills and found their phone number and went by there because they invited us, you know, invited me. <laughs> and uh, most welcoming older white couple, and they told me about Columbus Gray and, and these people that left from this per, the Prairie Grove, Arkansas area in 1856 uh, or something like that. And I think it's amazing how you can go on this trail and find people that are interested in the same, uh, you know, story. And, of right. course, I, I went into Arkansas and, and that I, I talked to a genealogist and it was funny. I'll never forget what the genealogist said. She's an African-American woman. She said, you know, uh, your great, 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 grandmother mary green is you know speaking to you or mm. i said i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> guiding you but, through this right but i said it's it's amazing when these puzzles pieces of the puzzle come together and you say mm. wow that's what they were like well that's how they lived well and you know and i think it's just a matter of having the time or spending the time making the time to uh pursue it and right. then later on, this this family they found a um, a vault um, of some information that Mary Green was sold into slavery. She mm. was the uh, playmate of a um, slave master's granddaughter, mm-hmm. and that's how she got the name. But I think it's amazing what what we can find if we search for it and go beyond that brick wall. I call it where it's like slave records take you so far, you know. Okay. You look at the slave record says, or, you know, that um, uh, census record says, you know, okay, slave, male, female, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a, approximate age. And then it's like, okay, well, what came before that? You know? Right. So, so what do you recommend to people in terms of feet on the ground, boots on the ground in this research of trying to find the right people that can, help put that next piece of the puzzle together? Before there was the internet, there were librarians. Yes. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think 
in dealing with a lot of this archival research that that point's really been driven home for me. Uh, being able to talk to somebody, uh, if, you know, if you know where your family is, generally speaking, where they are from, uh, right. you should go to that place's library. Mm -hmm. And typically what I've found is that those libraries have people who um, specialize in some degree of familial research. Um, at the absolute worst, they can at least point you to some of the, the old directories mm -hmm. um, that, that used to have everybody's address and even their profession <laughs> listed in them. Uh, they can at least show you that. But I think really getting, if you're going to a place, make sure to book some time to talk to someone who works in, say, a research arm of a library Mm -hmm. or just a librarian who's willing to talk to you. Because, uh, again, the internet has, to some degree, I think, made uh, libraries expendable. But people people mm -hmm. think that I can just type something in Google and that's all I need to know. Um, but again, there's people who have gotten degrees to do this type of work. And I think utilizing them can go a lot further sometimes than just sitting at home behind a desk or at a keyboard just typing something right. in and, and, ho and hoping you get a hit. Yeah. So Jacarl, we have a lot of history in Macon, Mississippi. Because yes. of one man, he fathered 33 children, at least. <laughs> right, and so- uh, He was a busy guy. He's very right. busy. Will this be the story of Greenberry Brown? It indeed would be, Mr. Greenberry yes. Brown. <laughs> yes. So Greenberry Brown is the great grandfather to both myself and Nicole. Mm -hmm. uh, and our uh, Nicole's grandmother, Mary, mm -hmm. and my grandfather, James, were the last two children of, of uh, Greenberry Brown. Greenberry Brown, from the best that I'm able to tell, was born into slavery in the 1840s or 1850s mm -hmm. in South Carolina, but somehow made his way uh, in the late 1800s to Macon, Mississippi, and mm -hmm. Mississippi in general. So at least the question I'm, I ask how exactly did someone who had just come out of slavery, more or less, get from South Carolina to Mississippi? One day I said, okay, uh, let me see if I can find Greenberry Brown in archive.gov. It's a unique name. <laughs> Maybe I'll be able to get a hit or two. And lo and behold, his name popped up in newspapers in Macon, Mississippi. It was really interesting because the articles that popped up, well, they weren't really articles. One was a, a missing cow notice. So I mm. guess whoever Greenberry Brown was working for at that point in time, I believe it was in 1917 uh, or 18 or so, that person's cow had gotten out of pasture and was now missing. And so Greenberry was tasked with having an ad run for his boss to try to find, to offer a reward for this missing cow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was money. So it was, <laughs> right. It was, it was money. It was money that Green Bay was trying to find for for his boss. The more interesting thing that I found was Greenberry Brown had a record in that newspaper of having to go before an elections board and request that his poll tax be waived. Mm-hmm. So we hear these stories, at least for me, in history about Black people having their vote obstructed in some way, shape, or form. Uh, reading that in text, your great grandfather having to go before some grand commission uh, to to ask that he not be charged a monetary fee in order to vote, uh, and hoping that this board uh, accept his plea. Uh, that was something that really hit home for me, mm-hmm. and to see that in print uh, was took me aback a bit but yeah what, what was also printed in that was the fact that they did uh that this election board did waive mm-hmm. the waive the poll tax for him but the interesting part was was his boss who was actually on the ballot that year so part oh. of me part, and part of me was also thinking is rigged of, <laughs> right but the fact the funny part was is that i looked in the election for that year and uh, Greenberry's boss actually lost that election. So, uh-huh. so, so if it was a case where this, the boss had come up with this grand plan to let all the Negroes or, or, or plead the case to all the Negroes to, uh-huh. to go out and vote for him, it didn't work. When you take the time to research family history, I just think it's amazing what you can find out and how things about our own families become more clear. Well, I'm wondering what kind of breadcrumbs we should be leaving for future generations. I mean, everything's on the internet, but should we be doing other things, you know, that people can touch and feel to tell the story of us? I think so. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, I know Twitter is going to be putting stuff in the U.S. archives are going to be keeping a lot of tweets and everything. But the fact of the matter is, I don't tweet. I, I, yeah, I, I do. That's, that's, that's not, that's not, that's not <laughs> They'll find me there. Right. <laughs> to my grave, I'll be tweeting. <laughs> right. So, right. well, well, when I'm gone from this plane, will uh, the record of me no longer exist because I did not tweet? Uh, so <laughs> what, what exactly am I going to be leaving behind? So I need to write a, a, write a book are some of the websites mm. that I wrote for and had bylines on, uh, will they still be in existence or archived somewhere? So I'm fortunate enough that I have had my byline in some things that are in archives. Mm. So I, I have existed. I do have a record <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. But it's really, here. It's, really, <laughs> right, it's really a good question in this day of electronic media about how exactly do we record these things that um, in previous generations were written down in the form of letters, in the form of diaries, uh, mm. to some degree we're losing that. And so I know, at least for my part, one of the things I was trying to do during the beginning of the quarantine period was write stuff down. Writing, I think, is a much more intimate process than typing things. 
Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. you can pick up in handwriting, emotions, and every and everything along those lines. Uh, how this pen stroke and everything else, how someone might have been feeling. You can uh, kind of conjure up ideas about that. What I've been trying to do more is write down what I've done during the course of the day, uh, just so. For one, I have a record mm-hmm. for myself about what I did, but if it just so happens that 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, someone comes across my notebook, mm-hmm. uh, I existed. There's proof that I did exist and I did something on this particular day. Might have been quite, might have been slightly mundane, but uh, the fact of the matter was I existed. I wrote about what I was thinking and feeling at that point in time. Yeah. Yes, I want everybody to know you, Jacaro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. If no one appreciates it, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as listeners have learned by now, there are so many of us, the tentacles reach far and wide. But don't worry, mm-hmm. everyone. Bryant's family's got next. That's right. You'll <laughs> love it. Family history. There's nothing like it. And we hope as you gather around loved ones, especially for Thanksgiving. We've offered some tips on how to preserve those stories that may last through generations. And there are many more ideas out there from our audience. So please drop us a line at beforeyougo.tv. That's beforeyougo.tv. Let us know if there's someone you feel we should Mm -hmm. feature. And before we go, we want to remind everyone that stories like these are sometimes just a phone call away. Just pick up that phone and make the call. There's no time like the present. What What a a gift. gift.